0: so there are three things you can say. I am forgiven, and I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I am loved. May that be your hope, may that be your life, may that be your path. Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. I decided that I would stand a little closer to you today to communicate with you. I'm communicating with all of you, but we all know that primarily it's it's this group that we're paying attention to most closely today. And uh, this is one of the best days in the life of the church. It's certainly one of the best days in my life. Uh, Each year when this day comes around, uh, it's easy to celebrate and to be glad. The Scripture lesson this morning is a familiar one, one you've probably already committed to memory. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved uh, through Him. I think we memorize certain verses of Scripture uh, because they encourage us and inspire us Some verses not only provide us with that need, but they also kind of serve as a summary of what we believe. We believe that God loves us and that's critical. Uh, I read of of someone who wrote a book uh, several years ago and she didn't publish the book in the traditional way. It did not come out as a book that you would go and buy at the store or that you would order from Amazon like you do every single item in your entire life and receive it from them. Uh, She didn't put the book online to be read that way. Uh, she enlisted 2,000 people, volunteers. You see, this was a 2,000-word story. And she enlisted these volunteers to have one word of that story tattooed on them. They didn't get the chance to select that word. They only selected where they wanted the tattoo to be. And so some people had the word tattoo. I mean, had the word the you know, tattooed on their shoulder. Someone had the word, the word beauty tattooed beneath their bicep and so forth and so on. The only way you can read that story is if you gather all those people together and put them in order and then read the tattoo uh, that rests on each of uh, their bodies. It's kind of an interesting uh, way to write a book. Uh, Today, there, in a sense, there's a word that's tattooed on your forehead for the rest of your life. Not literally. Don't be afraid. We're not going to have you come and kneel and take out some kind of needle and start writing on your forehead. But in a sense, symbolically, when you come today and you answer these questions and you kneel here and you're confirmed into the faith and you profess your faith, for the rest of your life, you have a word tattooed on your forehead and it reads, Christian... People will know that you are a believer. People will know that you participate in a church. And some of those people will decide about Christ because of you. You can encourage them uh, to believe. You can encourage them to have a relationship with God because of who you are, because of how you live, because of what you say and what you do, because of how you interact with them. So from this day forward, whether we like it or not, In a sense, we have Christian tattooed on our foreheads. I understand the responsibility of that. And I think you understand the responsibility of that too. I know that some people will make a decision about Christ and about this church by the way I behave, by the way I conduct myself, by how I relate to them and interact with them, by how I behave and how I live and how well I'm able to love, by the depth of my trust in God. And the same is going to be true for you and the same is true for all of you. Sometimes that feels like a heavy responsibility, but it is a responsibility we take on when we kneel in this place and we say, I believe in you, Christ. And I will follow you all the days of my life I will be an, I will be an ambassador for you. I will be a messenger for you. I will be an example for you and so that 's a huge responsibility and that 's a huge privilege. Martin Luther, who started the Reformation, uh, the reason we have a Presbyterian church up the street and a Presbyterian church behind us and a Baptist church a little bit farther behind us and Episcopal church down the street and on 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 on it goes. Is really because of Martin Luther. Martin Luther started a a reformation of the church, and that's why we have all these different denominations. Martin Luther had a name for the church, and here was his name for the church. He called the church the Mouth House. Not the Mouse House, but the Mouth House. And the reason he called the church the mouth house is because he said the church says certain things that nobody else says. And when we become Christians, when we profess our faith in Christ, we are able to say certain things that many people don't want to say, and many people don't believe they really can say. But you and I can say those things. And so it's important for us to know those things, And it's important to live a life that reflects that we are able to say those things. What are those things? The first thing is this. You can say, and I can say, I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Uh, Not because we're great and awesome and never make a mistake, but because of who Christ is and because of what Christ has done for us. For God so loved the world that He gave. And He gave on behalf of of us. So you're able to say, uh, I am forgiven. That's a universal need. There are very few things that we can say, well, everyone likes that. Everyone enjoys that. That's everyone's favorite, whatever it is. There's rarely anything that we can use the word everyone and apply it to something. For instance, everyone likes donuts. No, they really don't. There are some lost people out there. There's some people who really have no taste who don't like donuts. And those same people probably like celery. Yeah. Yeah, and celery has no taste unless you put pimento cheese in it and then eat it. They say celery has no calories. Yeah, so you can eat celery and know that you're not consuming any calories, but you know that calories measure taste, right? Something with lots of calories tastes good. Something like celery tastes terrible unless you put pimento cheese in it, so it has no calories. Celery is not part of the food family. It's kind of part of the cardboard family, right? I mean, it's like eating a piece of cardboard. So, you know, we we get it. Uh, Everyone likes banana pudding. They should. They're a sinner if they don't. That's a joke. (laughs) Whenever I go to one of these luncheons, you know, that you have to go to when you're a preacher, and you sit down for this meal that's not planned for you, it's just planned for the whole bunch, and it's fine. You usually eat a piece of rubber chicken, and then you get a few vegetables, maybe that medley that I don't think anybody really likes. And sometimes they have a little bowl there of banana pudding. And whenever I see that bowl of banana pudding, I find someone I know doesn't like banana pudding. And I go sit next to them. Because I know when we finish the meal, I'm going to get their bowl. And I'm going to get my bowl. But the truth is, we can't really say everyone likes banana pudding. Everyone doesn't like the same movie. Everyone doesn't like uh, the same song. But everyone has the universal need of forgiveness. There's not a one of us. There's not anyone in this world uh, that doesn't apply for. Everyone has that need of, of forgiveness. It's important for you as a Christian, tattooed right across there, to be a person who forgives others. That's sometimes very difficult. Are you middle school? Most of you. Middle school was maybe one of the most difficult times in my life. There had to be a lot of forgiveness going around in middle school because people weren't always uh, real kind. But here's what I learned. If someone upset me, if they were in the wrong, but I was unable to forgive them, it really harmed my own life more than it did theirs. Because I became kind of bitter about it. And it consumed my thinking. And it harmed my life. But if I was ever able to forgive them, if I was really able to kind of extend to them, I may not have told them. I just started behaving differently toward them. But if I was able to do that, I discovered freedom in that. And I remember something someone wrote years ago that I read that has stayed with me. To forgive is to set a prisoner free. And it is to discover that the prisoner is you. You see, forgiveness is is something that frees us Sometimes I will say to people who seem to hold on to things, be selfish and just forgive because it's going to help you. And it's not harming that other person at all. It's only harming you. But I also recognize that I'm forgiven. I came here 13 years ago to this church and soon after I came, I received a call from the previous church I had served asking me if I would come back to that church and that community and conduct a funeral for someone, an older adult who had died. Lucille Lankford was this great, great, wonderful person. I had visited her in her home many, many times. There was a time when she taught the nurses at Grady Hospital. That was in the days when hospitals trained nurses, not colleges. And so we would talk about that because she had been a part of my mother's training. My mother was a Piedmont nurse, but they did some work at Grady, and Lucille had trained those nurses from Piedmont. So we had a bond there. Uh, when they asked me to do the funeral, I wanted to do the funeral. I knew her well, but I had to decline doing that because that's not what you do in the Methodist church when you move from a church you move from a church and the next person needs to have the opportunity to be the pastor there and one of the most meaningful ways they can begin to do that is by conducting a funeral so i said no and it broke my heart to say no but i did so i got a call a few days after from the family and they asked me if i could do the graveside And I thought to myself before I answered no. And then they said, well, it's going to be in Monroe, which is not far from where you are. And I said, well, I said, if you'll call the senior minister and that's okay with him, we've already asked him. And he said, it's fine. So I said I'd be honored to do it. So I went to Monroe, and I got there a little early, and I was walking through the cemetery. Now, at your age and stage, you don't find that particularly fascinating. But I don't know, as you get older, you sort of walk. you know. And I spend a lot of time in cemeteries, quite frankly. And so I walked through those places. And here's what I discovered that day. Normally, when you go to a cemetery... Have you ever been to a cemetery? Anybody? You can raise your hand up. Let me... Oh, golly, okay, good. You know what I'm talking about then. I was walking through and I was looking at all of the headstones, you know, the markers. And those markers usually have the name of the person who has died and they usually have the dates, the day they were born and the day they they died and maybe something added to it. But I was walking through that cemetery that day. I came across a headstone and it had no name on it and it had no dates on it. But it marked someone's life uh, I'll never know who the person was. I'll never know the date of their birth or the date of their death. There was only one word on the tombstone. One word. And I looked at that tombstone and I thought to myself, maybe that's how we should mark our lives. Because <laughs> the one word on that tombstone was forgiven. And so we are. And so are you. Today you get Christian imprinted upon your heart and one of the things you'll be able to say for the rest of your life is I am forgiven the next thing you'll be able to say is I am a follower I am a follower and I make no excuses for that I am a follower E. Stanley Jones was a great evangelist and missionary for the church in the 20th century the 1900's way, way, way long time ago E. Stanley Jones was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize twice and he received the Gandhi Peace Award at one point. And a real extraordinary human being. He tells of going to Africa. And he enlisted someone to be his guide to a remote place in Africa where a tribe lived. He wanted to minister to that tribe. And so he went to Africa, enlisted the guide. They hiked for about two days until they came to the bush, the heavy jungle. And the guy just entered in. There was no path. He just entered into the jungle, took out his machete, and began to chop down the bamboo. E. Stanley Jones was chopping along with him, but after about an hour, he was exhausted and he thought to himself, Do we have any idea where we are going? And finally, they stopped to rest for a moment and he said, Do we know where we're going? Are we lost because I don't see any path? And he said his guide looked at him and said, Buona, here I am the path. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the path. And the whole, the whole experience of being a Christian involves walking in that path. You might have learned at some point in Sunday school, the first miracle Jesus performed was turning water into wine at a wedding. It was extraordinary the way he did it because they had run out of wine. He told the servants to fill up the big water jars with water. And when they had filled them up, he looked at you and he said, hey, ladle up a spoon and take it over there to the chief steward. Now, what would you have done in that moment? because you know you just filled up that jar and it was water, it wasn't wine. And so you didn't want to dip and go over and say, hey, try this, most delicious wine you'll ever drink. But he did. And when he took it to the chief steward, indeed, he said, this is the best wine of the party. Now, a few moments before that, when Jesus was saying, you guys, y'all go fill up the water jars with wine, they all looked like he must be crazy. But Mary said something very, very important. His mother. His mother looked at the servants and said to them, just do what He says to do. That's what it means to walk in the path. That's what it means to walk in the way. It's not complicated. It's just hard. Just do what He says to do. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. When you're called upon to forgive, there's no number goal in that. You just keep forgiving. That's what it means to walk in the way. Is to just do what He says to do. That's not complicated. That's just the hardest thing that you'll ever be called upon to do. But you can say it. I am forgiven and I am a follower. And the last thing you can say after you kneel here today and are confirmed, and you can say it with great confidence, is, I am loved. There will never be another day in your life, and there never has been, when you're not loved. I realized it when we had communion together. I don't know if all of you were there that night, but many of your parents and many of you were there, and we had communion together. I've been here 13 years, if you were baptized as a baby in this church it's likely that I was the one who placed water on your head that was that was sort of a wonderful thing to remember that this confirmation class is one in which I had had the privilege and the honor of, of baptizing Never been anywhere that long where I had that chance. You're the first. And when, when that happened that day, we walked you up and down the aisle and we sang God Claims You. And when we came right back here, <clears throat> your parents were standing here and I had you in my arms. And I said, to the, I said to you in front of the congregation, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And then you know what I said. And may there never be a day in your life when you're not aware of God's amazing love for you. You can say, I am loved. For God so loved the world. That's inclusive. That's inclusive. That means you. Love is uncircumstantial. There are times in your life when circumstances are bad and you might think, you know, does God really love me? And the answer to that question every single time is yes. Because God's love is uncircumstantial. And that's a word. I looked it up this week. I didn't make it up. When I put it on my phone, it had little red lines under it. But it is a word. Uncircumstantial. And God's love is uncircumstantial. There was a prophet in the Old Testament and he knew that uh, Jerusalem was going to be taken over. The Babylonians were coming. And you know what he said in the midst of those circumstances? On behalf of God, He said, For I know the plans I have for you. Not plans to harm you, but plans to bless you. Plans to give you a future with hope. And that is God's plan for you. And that's God's plan for you as well. No matter what you experience, no matter what the circumstances are, that will always be true. When you look at another person, when you look around this church and you see folks here, what do you think? Do you look at them and you wonder anything about them? Do you? Yeah, you do. The Scripture says when Christ looked at someone, no matter who they were, He looked at them with compassion. Sometimes we look at people and we look at them with evaluation. Jesus never looked at someone to evaluate them. And hopefully God never leads you to a life where you sit back and look at someone with evaluation. You see, we look at people... And when we look at them, we say, well, there's someone created in the image of God. Looking at others and seeing others and experiencing others is more about looking at them with transformation in our hearts, not evaluations. If you're a hammer, if you're a hammer, everything you see is a nail. And there are people who go through life as hammers. And everything they see is a nail. And they knock you over the head time and time again. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you see the possibility of transformation in your own life and in the lives of others. You see people who were created in the image of God. Who were important to God. So as you go through your life, Focus on transformation. And not so much evaluation. So there are three things you can say. I am forgiven. And I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And I am loved. <clears throat> may that be your hope. May that be your life. May that be your path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.